Would you turn to Mark 11 this morning? Can you take some more? Hmm? Yeah, hold steady. What else you going to do? Where else you going to go? Mark 11. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold up your hands. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. Appreciate everybody praying about our meetings that we had down in Texas. <clears throat> the Lord really helped us, met us. And, uh, you know, they aired uh, one service on uh, Daystar, didn't they? Around the world. And so it went out to a lot of folks. And the Lord helped us. Appreciate that. We'll be doing uh, TV next week, this, this week. And so uh, believe with us for that. If you run out of things to pray about, <clears throat> just picture yourself sitting in front of a camera lens <laughs> for a half a day at a time. And uh, you'll find out real quick that if the Lord don't help you, you just go, uh, 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 if you look close enough, you can see a reflection of yourself in that thing. Uh, you mean the whole world's out there watching? <laughs> and our desire is this, this is precious. This is extremely valuable. It costs a lot of money to do this all around the world like this, and I don't take this lightly, and so uh, I'm not interested in people being impressed with me. Amen. Me apart from God is nothing to be impressed with, but the Lord, if the Lord can use us to get something across, it'll help people. I'm hungry for that. Are you? And I believe he can or he wouldn't have us doing it, and so uh, believe God with me, and let's believe God together that utterance comes out full and free, and the word goes forth. People are set free while they're watching their TV. How many can see folk just sitting on the couch and just lifting up their hands, go, oh, glory to God, I receive that, and, and bondage just melt off of them, or give their heart to the Lord and get saved, right? Laying in their bed, in the bedroom at night or something, watching it, and just maybe flipping through and don't believe in God at all, just... The Lord deal with them. You stay right there for just a minute. So they just stay and look and go. Even if they want to make fun to start with or whatever, they quit making fun. And the Spirit of God come get in the bed with them. They go, this is real. Oh, God, save me. Help me. How many know God can do this? He can do this all over the world. It is happening. And this is a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. You and I that have been saved for a while, walking in the goodness of God, it's easy to forget, but it's awful to be in darkness and lost. I mean, it's, it's a terrible life. And so God is bringing millions out of darkness into his glorious light. And you and I can be a part of that. Mark eleven twenty four. are you there? We've been uh, ministering for some weeks on this subject of faith to receive. And we don't, we're not just Faith Life Church for nothing. We really do believe in having faith. And not just faith stickers and faith sermons and faith teachings, but actually living by faith. Having faith. I mean, you operating in faith on a Tuesday afternoon with no piano music, no choir singing, no brother more preaching, just, just you. Believe in God and getting results, getting miracles, right? That's what this is all. If that's not happening, then we're not doing our job. Something's not right. But I believe, I know it is. I know it's happening. We hear testimonies, see evidences of it all the time. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So when the Lord tells us to have faith in God, the just shall live by faith, walk by faith, overcome by faith. 
This is one major way of living the faith life, and that's when obstacles, even if they seem giant-like, if they seem mountainous, get in your way, what do you do? He could have just as easily told us to beg God earnestly, couldn't he? But he didn't say that. Religion has given us that. Believers are not beggars. If you're begging, you're not in faith. If you're begging, it means you don't know the will of God. So here he said, what? You got a mountain in your way? What did Jesus, Jesus, the head of the church, tell you and I to do? This ain't prayer. This is not you talking to God, right? This is you talking to the mountainous issue, problem, hindrance. And what do you do? You command it in the name of Jesus to get out of your way. Get out of your life. Stop. And you're not just trying it. You believe what you're saying will happen. And if you'll say it and not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, Jesus, the head of the church, said, you shall have whatever you say. Didn't he say it? Do you believe it? People mock us, make fun of us, call us the name it and frame it and blab it and grab it and confess it, possess it bunch. They don't realize they're making fun of Jesus. He's the one that said that, right? We believe him. We know, we know we've got a lot to learn about it, but we're endeavoring to walk in what we know about this. So something gets in your way. Something's bothering you. Something's hindering you. What do you do? Don't sit around and wait and hope something will happen. Don't just beg God night and day and call it prayer. What do you do? Come on, help me out now. What are you going to do? Fevers uh, all over your baby. Huh? Your business is getting held up. Your money's tied up. It's obvious. It's just one thing after another. You got problems. Things are in your way. Things are hindering you. What do you do? What do you do? You don't just turn in 300 prayer requests and call 12 hotlines. Do you know if you get a thousand people begging God at the same time, you get nothing? Now, I know some people don't like that, but listen, come back to the Bible. Come back to the Bible. What did the master say? Something's in your life. It's bothering you. It's hindering you. It's holding you up. It's standing in your way. It's trying to hurt you. It's trying to destroy you. Stand up. Face it. Look it in the eye. Say, no, you don't. Not in my life, you don't. I command you. Stop. Stop. Get out of my life. Leave. You, I mean, it's smart. Before you ever start to do a project. You know, before we ever started this project across town here, our new new facility, uh, Phyllis and I uh, spoke over it. And we advised it of Satan, we bind you. In the name of Jesus, we bind you from hindering it or causing problems. We, you're bound up and you're shut down. You got no place in it. We forbid it. And then the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Heaven backs you up. What if you do nothing? Well, then there's nothing for heaven to back. Instead of begging God, you start to do a new business venture the Lord leads you into. You start to do an investment or or whatever you start to do. Whatever you start to do, don't just sit by, especially if you've waited and didn't do anything, and now you see you got problems, don't sit idly by. Stand up, speak to it, command it to stop. Bind it up, shut it down, expect it to happen. That's what Jesus said. Now, verse 24, verse 24, he went on to say another application of the faith walk, the faith life, same faith, just operating in a little different way, a little different area. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire. So now, a mountain, a problem is not something you desire. You don't want that in your life. So you don't need to be praying about that. God didn't put that mountain in there. You just need to talk to that thing, command it to go. But every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, something you desire. It's all right to pray about that. It's all right to ask the Father about it and ask for it. It's all right. It's a good thing. It's from Him. But notice there's a specific way to ask. 
What things soever you desire, when you pray, do what? Don't just ask, but when you ask praying, do what? Believe. And not just believe vague and generally, very specific what Jesus told you and me to believe. What are we to believe? We are to believe that we receive what? The, the them, the things we desired, the thing we asked for. We are to believe that we received it. Now, you've heard us talk about this before. This ain't our, our, this ain't our first rodeo, <laughs> yours and mine, in this area, right? I mean, we, we've talked about this, but, but you need to talk about it over and over because millions of the church are missing it right here. Still waiting on God to do it. Millions, faith people so-called, word people so-called. It's easy to slip back into that rut because for centuries, we and our fathers and grandparents were taught to just wait on God. That that was humility, that that was the right thing to do. Just wait and whatever God decides to give you, it's up to him. And if it didn't happen, it's because he decided not to do it. And don't question his will. But this is not Bible. Couldn't Jesus have very easily said that? Whatever you desire, pray and just wait and leave it to God. Couldn't he have said that? If that was the right way to do it, couldn't he have just said, just leave it to God. And then whatever happens, just submit to the will of God. He could have said it. It's not what he said. What did he say? He said, whatever it is you're desiring and wanting, whatever it is you're praying and asking about, when you come, do what? Believe something, very specifically. Believe what? Believe that you receive them. If you look up that word in the Greek, it literally means take, T-A-K-E. Believe that you take them. What if it's not the will of God? Then you ought not be asking for it. You ought not be praying about it. Are you with me? trying to get it if you think it's not the will of God. So see, here's the thing. People want to just beg and just vague and, and, and no revelation, no knowledge of the will of God and just kind of throw a bunch of prayers out there and leave it up to God hoping he'll pick up one of them and do something with it. No. The Bible said don't be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is, Ephesians says. You and I are not ready to pray until we know the will of God. I'm talking about the prayer of faith now. There are different kinds of praying. But when you're talking about praying the prayer of faith, you are not ready to pray the prayer of faith until you know the will of God. I'm going to say that three more times. Anybody with me today? Are y'all happy? I said you are not ready. I am not ready to pray the prayer of faith until we know the will of God. Say it out loud with me. I'm not ready to pray the prayer of faith until I know the will of God. One more time. Say it together. I'm not ready to pray the prayer of faith until I know the will of God. Because you can't pray the prayer of faith until you know the will of God. Impossible. As long as you're questioning whether it's God's will to save you or not, you can't pray the prayer of faith in salvation to be born again. Until you know the will of God to be healed, you can't pray the prayer of faith to be healed. Till you know it's God's will to meet your needs, you can't pray a prayer of faith about your provision. Now, if you've got questions about that, you're not sure about that, do not let this get away from you. Don't just take my word for it. Put your head in this book and get it settled once and for all. This is so important. How does faith come? It comes by hearing, not by needing, not by begging, not by desiring. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why? Because when you hear what God tells you, now you know his will. Right? When he tells you what his will is, now you know what his will is. Now you can pray a prayer of faith. (laughs) 
We've studied previously in this study of faith to receive this, this great truth all through the Word of God. God provides by His grace. But we must possess by our faith. Just because it's the will of God for you to have it, just because He's bought and paid for it and given it to you, doesn't mean you'll ever enjoy it. You have to receive it. How many know God has bought and paid for salvation, uh, cleansing of spirit, righteousness, forgiveness of sin for every man and woman on the planet? Are they all enjoying it? No. Is it the will of God for them to enjoy? It's not His will that any should be lost or perish. It's His will that all would come to the knowledge of Him and be saved. Well, yet there are millions that that don't know Him at all, that are not born again. They're not enjoying any of it. Why? He has provided it. He has given it. It is His will. Why aren't they enjoying it? Because they must, you must possess, you must receive, you must take what has been given by faith. You must believe that you receive. Read it again. Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, do what? Believe, believe that you receive them. Another word for that is, believe that you take them. Now, if you felt it, you wouldn't be believing it. He didn't say imagine that you take it. He didn't say try to feel like you take it. You what? You believe that you take it. And if you do, what happens next? And you shall have them. You shall have them. Anybody believe this beside me this morning? Does it work? So what do you got to find out first, though? You got to find out what's been given to you, right? You got to find out what is the will of God. Then you're ready to receive by faith what you know he's already given you, what you know is his will for you to have. Go with me to Hebrews, please. The book of Hebrews. You got time for this? Focus with me just just a few more minutes here. Hebrews, the uh, fourth chapter. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore... Come boldly, boldly. Somebody say boldly. Boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, without going into all the scriptures, the opposite of this word bold in the the words that the Bible uses, the New Testament, would be the word ashamed. Ashamed. So we're not to come ashamed, we're to come boldly. Now, boldly doesn't equal arrogantly. How many know you can come boldly and yet respectfully? I mean, it's boldness just to come in to a head of state's office, right? Just to walk right in there like you feel like you're supposed to be there. (laughs) Right? That's bold. You you could be very respectful, but just to throw the door open and walk right on in there and and go high. (laughs) Instead of cowering out in the parking lot going, oh, I I can't go in there. Oh, I can't. No. Man, that's the so-and-so's office. I can't. I can't go in there. Well, how much more God's office? No man or woman, head of state or president or king ever compared to him. And yet, you and I have a right to be there. 
Not because of what you've done or who you are after the flesh, but because of your faith in Jesus. You've been made righteous or right in God's eyes with Jesus' rightness. Which gives you a right. Somebody say, I've been made right with His rightness. So I have a right. I have a right to just march right on in, head up, face forward, and go, Father, I'm here. (laughs) Now, see, that's not what churchanity has taught people. Churchanity, religianity, has got people bombarding the gates. <laughs> oh, we're going to bombard the gates of heaven. <laughs> the Lord never told you to bombard the gates. Gates ain't even locked. <laughs> or guarded. <laughs> I know people come up with all kind of stuff. And here's why. Because they don't know him. This is the principal problem. Whether it's you or me or whoever it is. Not really knowing him. And when people don't know him, they're not comfortable with the intimacy and the closeness. And so they make up rules. And they stay outside. I said they stay outside. And they bombard the gates. <laughs> no, what did the Bible tell us? Come on, read this. What did he say? Put it up on the screen. 4.16. What did he say? Let us, that's me and you. Oh, come on, can you get happy about this today? Huh? That's me and you. Let us do what? What does it mean come boldly? Come right on in. Just, just come right on in, all the way in, past the crystal sea. Come on, all the way in, all the way in, past the four and twenty elders, all the way in, right up in by the, the winged creatures, right there by the throne. They're shouting, holy, holy, holy. Come right on up, right on up, boldly, right to the very throne where the almighty ancient of days sits. Because he is now my father. Oh, glory to God. Not arrogantly, not pridefully, not ignorantly. Yes, come with respect. The utmost honor and respect. But come. Come like you have a right to come. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Now read the rest of it. That we may what? Now stop right there. Obtain. Did you know this word obtain is the very same, the exact same Greek word that's in Mark eleven twenty four. Receive. Translated receive there. Which literally means take. So come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may take mercy. See, the translators backpedaled. And you see that. When you get to talking about some of these things, people's religion is just too strong in their mind, and instead of saying what it said, they say, well, we'll go that we may obtain. That sounds nicer than to say, we're going to come and take something at the throne. (laughs) But that's what it means. And that's what it says. Why? Why? Because if you don't take it, you won't get it. You won't have it. You won't enjoy it. 
That's the problem. And so you got millions of people waiting on God to do it if he decides to do it. And it's not how it's set up. God's already bought it. He's already paid for it. He's already provided. He's already made it available. He's already given. And yet people want him to take it in a gold spoon and stick it in their path and take their jaws and make them chew and then massage their throat and help them swallow. He wants, people want God to eat it for me and swallow it for me and digest it for me and do it for me. Well, I'm sorry, but he has chosen not to do it that way. And thank God, he's honored us by allowing us to have a part in the process. Oh, can you see that? He said, you see that over there, boy? Yes, sir. That's yours. I've given it to you. Okay, it sure looks good, God. It's nice. It does have some big hairy devils camped out on it. <laughs> he said, that's why I gave you the greater one. That's why I gave you the helmet of salvation and breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. It's yours, boy. Go get it. Okay, all right. And I'm going to stand that, that allows you He's honoring you to have a part of it. Now, you could never take it unless he had given it to you. But even though he's given it to you, you'll never enjoy it unless and until you take it. We're making progress on this, aren't we? Whatever it is you desire, what's got to happen? You've got to find out that it's been given to you. John 3 said a man can take nothing to himself unless it be given him from heaven. You've got to find out that it's been given to you. But then once you have, the waiting's over. I said once you find out that it is the will of God for you to have it, that he has given it to you, the waiting is over. I mean, there was a time uh, when for months we weren't sure that the Lord had given us that place across town. We don't want to be claiming somebody else's place. We don't want to be doing something he's got somewhere else for us. But once we found out it's ours, God's given it to us, can you tell? We're possessing this thing now. Right? I mean, we, we're all over it. Right? Why? It's ours. God gave it to us. But once he gives it to you, you've got to take it. You've got to take it. So we've been taking it every day. Haven't we? Taking it back. Taking it back from the dirt, taking it back from this, taking it back from that. We're taking it back, taking the land, possessing the land. But we still had to take it. Look at that verse again. Let me read it to you from another translation. Hebrews 4, 16. NIV says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive. Now see, the NIV translated it consistently with Mark eleven twenty four that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The Message Bible, I thought they did a pretty good job on it this time. They said, so let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. (laughs) Let's walk right up to him and what? Get. Doesn't that sound like take? Get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. (laughs) Somebody say, take it. Take it. Take it. Now, how do you take it? With your faith, you believe you take it. You don't feel that you take it. You don't imagine that you take it. You believe that you take it. Now, if that sounds strange to you, don't let it get away from you. Confess it. Just go around through your house sometimes saying, I believe I receive. Believe I receive. What does that mean? I believe I receive. You don't get it by thinking hard. You get it by revelation. God brings it up in. It's not hard. It's simple. With your hand, you reach out and you take something. You got it. We're not talking about using your hand. We're talking about using your believer. Right? How do I take something I can't see or feel? You believe you take it. Well, once you believe you've taken it, now you believe you got it. I said, once you believe you have taken it, 
Now you believe you've got it. You don't look like you've got it. You don't feel like you've got it. If you felt like you had it, you wouldn't have to believe that you had it. Right? So I said, how do you know you got it? I believe I've got it. Well, you don't look like it. I didn't say I look like it. I don't feel like it either. (laughs) But I believe I've received it. And I believe I have it. Boy, you learn how to do this, friend, and your life will be one miracle after another. Now go with me to Luke, please. Go to Luke. You got time for another couple of verses, don't you? Luke, the 11th chapter. I know you may have heard some of these things before, but it's not just mental agreement and assent that gets the job done. There's always more revelation and light on scriptures. And how would you know that you're getting revelation on it and that you really believe in it? You get excited about it every time. Luke 11. Luke 11. And verse 5. Jesus is talking, the Master. He said, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise And give him as many as he needs. But I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Is this important? Is Jesus telling us how to operate? Yes, he is. And, and it's interesting and it's almost regrettable that the entire teaching here hangs on this word that in the King James is translated importunity that most folk don't have a clue what it means. He said, why would the man get up? The man may not get up and give him this in the middle of the night. He's tired. He don't want to get up because he's his friend. That may not be enough to get him up and get him to give it to you. But he will get up and give him everything he needs. So the man's needs going to get met. He's going to go home with what he needs and wants because of his importunity. Somebody say importunity. Now, I think this is another place where people kind of got uncomfortable. Because <laughs> what does this word mean? Now, a lot of you modern translations will say persistence, right? Well, I'm sorry, but that's weak. <laughs> that does not tell the whole story. Don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. Look it up in your concordances and in your dictionaries. What does the word importunity? It literally means no shame. Literally. That's what it means. Somebody said out loud, no shame. shame. Does this sound like our other scripture that we just got through looking at? Come to the throne of God, how? Boldly. And you really could translate it here because of his boldness. He'll get up and give it to him. I think it'd be a better word. How can you say something about that? That's the Bible. No, that's the King James Version, which is a good one, and I like it. But Jesus didn't speak English. (laughs) Right? King James was a long time after Jesus. Oh, brother. 
I've actually heard preachers say, we use the same Bible Jesus used. The King James authorized version. Well, that's just ignorance, brother. <laughs> there wasn't no King James Bible in Jesus' day. Jesus spoke one language. It was translated sometimes from that into Greek, right? And then from Greek sometimes to Latin. And then sometimes from Aramaic to Greek to uh, Latin to English. Thank God for the King James. I like it. I use it all the time. You know it. But you know you could know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and Latin and still not know what God's saying. <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost that reaches on the inside of you, right, and unveils to you. Because He is the author of this book. Not King James. <laughs> I said, not King James. He, the Holy Spirit, is the author. But, you know, look up the Word. You see what I'm talking about? But not only that, you know in your spirit what bears witness with you about the rest of this passage here. What does it mean? What's the punchline? What did Jesus say when he got through saying all that? Ask. Didn't he? He didn't just say, ask, 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 and don't ever quit, and just ask in perpetuity and beg. No, ask, and what? You'll get it. Seek. You'll find. What? Knock. Be open to you. And yes, you need to be persistent sometimes, but he's not talking about just seeing how long you can do it. The man didn't stand out there for three days. Did he? <laughs> he came. In the middle of the night. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. George, get up. I know you're in there, George. <laughs> it's Joe. Joe, your friend. He's thinking, yeah. Hey, you got no friend right now. I'm friends, men. I, I'm sleepy. George, what? Man, I'm sound asleep. You're hush, you're going to wake the kids up. George! <laughs> Terry just showed up. And he's hungry, and I didn't make it to the grocery store, and I don't have anything to feed the boy. Could you give me some food? He might answer, no, leave me alone, go to bed, it's late. Terry can go to bed and eat something tomorrow when he gets up like everybody else. <laughs> He said he might not get up and, and respond to him because he's his friend, but he will get up and give to him what? Because of his no shame. Did you hear this now? No shame. Actually, the NEB, the New English Translation, says it that way, which is hooray for them. They had the boldness to say it. Shamelessness. Because of his shamelessness, the Strong's translation says, no bashfulness. Not translation, definition. No bashfulness. And, and here's, now Strong was bold and did it right. Strong said the word literally means impudent. Oh. Impudent? What does impudent mean? Well, I looked it up. Now, this is the word that's translated in the King James. I might kind of say, well, I won't say that. Uh, importunity. Brazenness. Boldness. Nerve. And English translate, modern English translation, I'm talking about like UK English, cheeky. Anybody from the UK, you know what, what cheeky is? <laughs> cheeky means just brass. Which is what this other is, brazen, bold. One, the, the exegetical dictionary says audacity. Why will he get what he needs? Because he had the audacity. He had the nerve. 
He had the brazenness. He was just cheeky enough to march right up there in the middle of the night. Boop, 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 boop. Now, why did Jesus tell us this story? Because he wants us to be rude. He wants us to be inconsiderate. No, he's not teaching that. What, what's the punchline? The very next verse, what does it say? Having understood that, what do you do? What's Jesus saying? Ask. Ask how? Boldly. Come right on in. Ask. And what will happen? You'll receive. Seek. You'll find it. Knock. Isn't that what the man did? He knocked. He knocked and he sought and he asked. And the door was opened and he found and received. Oh, somebody got something this morning. Right? Why? Why? Because even though it's been provided, you've got to have the nerve, you've got to have the brazenness, you've got to have the boldness to come right on up and ask for it and take it and believe it. You're not trying to take something from him that he doesn't want you to give. We've already talked about that. You know it's his will. You know he's already given it to you, but you can't just sit down and wait for it to fall on you. You've got to step up. Come right on in. Come boldly right into the very throne of grace that you may obtain equals, you may receive, you may take what you need in your time. Has the church been taught this? No, the church has been taught to wait and to beg and to hope God notices them and it's not what Jesus taught. We're reading what Jesus taught this morning. This is what He taught. He said, step up, boy. Be bold. Come get it. You think we're going to intimidate God? You think we're going to shock Him because we step up and go, Here I am, Father, like you told me. Is He going to go, Whoa! That boy's bold. No! He's going to smile and go, That's right, get it. Come on, get it. That's what I got it for. Get it. Lay hold of it. Now take some more. I've given that to you too. Go get it. Oh, can you say glory to God? Now, in closing, go right over to the 15th chapter of Luke. You're right here close by. And look at a story that it's a wonderful story. It's been used for various things for years. But see a side of it that may not have been emphasized enough. Luke 15. Are you there? Verse 11, Jesus said, who's teaching here? These are right out, of the, right out of the mouth of the Master, his personal teaching. He said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. That's rather cheeky. <laughs> Isn't it? And most of the modern church has assumed that he should not have asked, which is wrong. If he shouldn't have asked, the father would have told him he shouldn't have asked, and he would not have complied with his request because it was within his power. Did you hear me? The young son's Mistake was not in asking for what was his. His mistake was not in receiving what was his. What was his mistake? What he did with it. And that he left the father. Right? That he left the father. Left father's house. Went out into sin hooked up and joined up with ungodly folks, wasted his inheritance on wild and ungodly living and stuff. That was his mistake. Let's get it clear, though. Did he miss it in asking for to receive and enjoy his inheritance now? No, sir. 
He did not. And that's the thing where so many have not seen. He didn't miss it. How many understand? The Father in this story represents the Father God. Right? And the Father God would not have this recorded. He wouldn't say it through the lips of Jesus and have it recorded for all time and leave a wrong impression with us. This is perfect, isn't it? And if the main thing would have been for us to realize you're not supposed to come and be presumptuous and ask like this and think you can receive inheritance, then it would have been the perfect place for the Father to stop him and say, Whoa, boy, what? No, you'll get the inheritance when I say so and not a minute before. And don't you come ask me and be so presumptuous and audacious again. I'll let you know when I decide to give you the inheritance. Couldn't he have told him something like that and made it very clear for all of us? That's what millions teach. But it's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible teach? What happened? Come on, tell me what happened. The young son... He's young. There's a lot he don't know. He's young. But he knows daddy's rich. He knows daddy's got the stuff. Daddy is daddy big bucks. And he knows daddy's talked about that this belongs to the family and that the inheritance, of course, you know, a lot of times people wait till daddy's gone and then they get the inheritance. But he just decides, what do I got to wait for? So he comes to see daddy and he says, daddy, you know, I, part of your stuff belongs to me. He said, that's right, son. He said, uh, why I got to wait till you die? Can I have mine now? <laughs> I'd like mine now, please. <laughs> is this bad? No. See, we've been taught that it is. But if it was bad, the Father, the Lord Jesus would have told us so. Right? He would have made it clear to us. Right there. But instead, come on, read, read. Instead, what happened? Come on, read it. What did he do? Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. Is that boldness? Did he come right on in to the Father? Boldly said, give me what's coming to me. Give me mine. Give me my part. And what did the father do? And he divided unto them. Not just him. Them is who? He had two boys. Right? Which means he called the banks. He had the lawyers come in. He did the paperwork. They made the transfers. Right? And so now this is in Junior's name, right? The, the, the oldest boy, and then this is in the youngest boy's name. It's done. It's transferred. It's done. If he hadn't wanted to do it, he wouldn't have done it. If it wasn't his will, he wouldn't have done it. Well, the younger boy, he knew about it. He saw it. He showed up at the bank the next day with his card. And he signed the paperwork, and he drew out $10 million. And he bought him a new Ferrari and some new clothes, and he blew that popsicle stand. He was out of there. And he went to Vegas. And he partied night and day till he was out of money. And when the money was gone, his new friends were gone. Right? And none of them would even feed him. None, none, even, none of them would even take him to the all-night buffet. <laughs> After he had bankrolled the party for months. And so he had to get out and leave the city and go to a the rural area, and found a pig farm. And asked a guy, he tried other stuff. They wouldn't hire him at the Burger King and, and other places at the filling station and other places. And he kept, kept trying places and trying places. And, and finally, the pig farmer hired him. And he was so hungry, and it had been days, and he hadn't eaten. And the pig food looked good to him. And he was tempted to get down there in the trough. Because when you're starving... 
And he stood up from there with a corn cob in his mouth. <laughs> and he said, this is nuts. <laughs> this is crazy. The people that work for my daddy eat good. And they got a good place to stay. I'm going home. I'm going home. And I'm going to say, Daddy, Father, I'm not fit to be called your son anymore. But would you just hire me? Would you put me on the payroll? Let Let me do something for you. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. I know that. But I know the kind of man you are. Would you just hire me so at least I got something to eat and a place to stay? So he came back home. You know the story. While he was coming home, Daddy was sitting out on the porch. (laughs) And he saw away in the distance somebody coming. And he said, that walks like my boy. Closer he got, he said, that is my boy. Oh, thank you, Father. You have brought my boy home. He jumped off the porch and ran and met him. And grabbed him. And when he grabbed him, he noticed an awful stench. But he just held, he just held on. Something to do with pigs. He, he just held on to him and hugged him and uh, said, Oh, I called his name. I'm so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're home. And the boy, he's been preparing his speech all the way there. He's been rehearsing it, you know, how he's going to say this. And he said, uh, I need to tell you something, Dad. I need to tell you something. He said, he said Father, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He said, oh, hush. We talk about all that later. Come on. Come on in the house. And he started calling his servants. He said, you know, get, get, get a party ready. Get out to good China and, and go and, and get the veal prepared. And, and you know, the, the cobbler that he likes, fix that. And, and boy, you go in there and get a shower. You need one real bad. Go in there and clean up. But when you get clean, come on into my bedroom and go into my closet. And go into my jewelry box and wear the biggest ring I got. And you know that $10,000 suit I had custom made? You put that on. You wearing that tonight. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. So man, the music is going. The food is everywhere. He's sitting in there with the big Rolex on and the big ring on. You know, God must like some of this stuff. Or he wouldn't have it in here, would he? I mean, if God was opposed to rings and watches and stuff, he wouldn't have put that in there. He left that out, lest we get the wrong idea. Wouldn't he? And nice clothes, he wouldn't have said none of that. Because we might get the wrong idea that we're supposed to have some of that. He's sitting up in there in that high dollar suit, that big jewelry on, and the music is going. He keeps saying, Daddy, you know, there's something I got to tell you. He said, ah, forget it, boy. We'll talk about it later. Enjoy yourself. Here, have some more steak. Here, enjoy yourself. We're so glad you're home. Oh, thank you, Father, for bringing the baby home. Well, older boy comes home. He's been out in the field all day. He's been sweating. He's dirty. He's tired. He wants a bath. He wants to go to bed. And since baby boy went to Vegas, he's had to take care of this whole thing. Right? He has had to oversee all of daddy's interests. So he's watching over the, the cotton crop and the wheat crop and the corn crop. And he's having to keep up with the cows and the sheep and the goats. He's doing it all. He's taking care of his daddy's interests. But he hasn't been having any fun. It's just work, 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 work. I mean, he gets up at daylight. He comes in after dark. He stays up half the night watching the paperwork, taking care of father's business. Yes. Somebody's got to. Yes, Baby boy's in Vegas. <laughs> and when he gets close to the house, he hears music. And the Bible said, and he heard the dancing. That was some dancing. He could hear it way down the road. 
Well, you know, you get the idea the Father wants you to have parties and fun from stuff like this. He called one of the servants. He said, what's going on? What's going on up at the big house? He said, your brother come home. My brother come home. What daddy do? Well, he, uh, he killed a fatted calf. And he said, uh, he, he, gave, he gave him the big ring. And you know that, that $10,000 suit that y'all had made for your daddy? He wearing it. <laughs> and they're having a party. Oh, it made him mad. Oh, it made him mad. Some folks said, I'd be mad too, and you'd be wrong too. He wouldn't go in the house. He's so mad, he just stayed out there. He's fuming. I can't believe Daddy would do this. After what that boy did, took half of our resources and blowed it at the casino and on prostitutes and drugs and and he waltzes in here and treats him like he's some celebrity? I can't believe it. He's mad. He's fuming. Listen to this, friends. Anytime you feel like somebody owes you more and didn't do more for you, you're wrong. You've got a wrong spirit about you. And you're yielding to the enemy. And of course, he's mad. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. When you're fuming like that and you're upset and you're chafed and you're offended, I don't care what anybody else has done, you're wrong. You're, oh, you think you're justified, but you have a bad spirit about you. You're yielding to the enemy. He's pacing. He's mad. He's upset. And he keeps thinking. Now, now look, look, notice how the devil works. He's thinking. I have worked myself crazy. I have worked night and day for this man. I stepped up and I took up the slack when this boy left and did what he did. And this is how he repays me. This is how he treats me. Giving him the respect, giving him the honor. It ain't right. See, that's what the devil is telling him. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't fair. This ain't right. It's the devil. Anybody listening to this now? Why am I saying, I want you to recognize it so you don't yield to it, and I don't yield to it. The father heard the boy was out there fuming and pacing and left the party, left his house, walked outside, went to him. Oh, the mercy of God. I said, oh, the mercy of God. He said, son, your brother come home. He said, I hear that. Come on in. Get cleaned up. Join us. He said, daddy, this ain't right. He said, what? He said, I'm with you every day. I've given my life for you. I've laid it all down for you. He's out there partying. He comes in here and you give him your good suit. You give him your good ring. You make a big party for him. You never gave me anything. I work for you night and day. You never, you never let me wear your suit. You never gave me a ring. You, you never did a little party for anything for me. Now you might think, well, he's... So many feel the same way that the father would begin to apologize and say, son, you're right. I, I haven't appreciated you like I should have. Will the father ever need to tell anybody that? No. Never. Why? Because he's righteous. He's fair. He's never done anybody wrong or been unfair did he take him and say, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you were right. I haven't appreciated you like I should have. I should have done some of these things for you. No, no, no. He didn't say it. He's never going to say it. He never needed to say it. What did he tell him? Come on, help me. Read the text. What did he tell him? 
What did he tell him? Read down. Verse 30. The boy said, soon as this, your son, wouldn't even call him his brother, soon as he's come, he's devoured your living with harlots. You have killed for him the fatted calf. What's he saying? It ain't right. This is not right. But the father is right. I said he is right. Oh, friend, we talked about the error of the younger son, but people don't talk as much about the error of the older son. Where did the younger son miss it? Not by his boldness to come and claim his inheritance. That pleased the father. He made it happen right then so he could have access to it and use it, benefit from it. That's God. That's the will of God. What was the younger son's error? How he used it. He left the father and he used it for evil. But the older son missed it. Didn't he? How did he miss it? He missed it by harboring thoughts that the father's not fair and the father's not right and the father doesn't love him as much, believing the devil's lies, hmm, that he doesn't appreciate him. Oh, come on now, the Lord's talking to people. Listen, for any time you get still and those thoughts start coming to you, they don't appreciate you. They don't know everything you do. They, they don't value it. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know this place would come apart if you weren't here, which is a lie. <laughs> they, they don't know. And they don't appreciate you. They're not valuing you. Look how they act with them. And look how they act with them. And they just ignore you. Friend, that's the devil. That's the devil. Don't listen to that. It's lies. He's deceiving you. He's trying to take you down. Yes. He's trying to rob from you. He's trying to steal from you. Come on, tell me what the father said. Tell me what the father told him. What did he say? Did he apologize to him? Huh? Did he pat him and say, boy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I've ignored you. I hadn't taken you. No, no. What did he say? Son, put it up on the screen. Son, you are ever with me. Don't you think God knows if you're with Him or not? Don't you think He knows everything you do for Him? Don't you know He does? He is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. He knows it. He keeps good records. Other people might miss it. He never does. He says, Son, you're always with me. I know that. I'm not confused about that. I know what you do. I know what you've done. I know every bit of it. What else did he say though? And all that I have is, I-S, is yours. It's actually a reminder and a reproof, isn't it? Father so kind, so good. He said, boy, I know you're with me. I know. I know what you do. I know what you've done for this family. I know it. But what's this stuff? I never gave you a ring. I never let you have a party. What do you mean? Everything I have is yours. And there's another little line right under that. If you're waiting on me to get your ring and put it on you, you're going to be ringless. You're waiting on me to go get your goat and make your party for you, you're going to do without. What's the understanding here? Everything I have, when did it become his? Way back here. He divided unto them the inheritance. But the older son has been all this time feeling deprived, doing without, not having any fun, thinking he's waiting on the father to do it. Oh, come on, do you see this? Millions of believers are right there right now. 
They're not enjoying things. They think they're waiting on God. They're going year after year after year. They're not having fun. They're not enjoying life. And well, God, why won't you do something else for me? Because He's already done it. He's already done it. He's already bought it. He's already paid for it. And when Jesus raised from the dead and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, the inheritance is ours. It's bought. It's paid for. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. What's he telling him? What's the revelation to this angry older son? This unhappy, unfulfilled, having bouts of depression and anger, older son who's at church every time the door's open. What's the father telling him? Son, you could have been having a party every day. You want a ring? You know where the jewelry box is. You want to wear a suit? You know where the closet is. It's yours. But he didn't have, he didn't know the father's will. He didn't know the father well enough, did he? And he didn't know the father's will. And he didn't have the boldness to come on up there and get it. And so because of that, he's doing without and he's getting bitter. Every day, because he's doing without, and he's going without. And when he sees somebody else enjoying the blessings of God, it makes him mad. Makes him mad, makes him upset. Why? That ain't fair. I work twice as hard as they do. It ain't got nothing to do with how hard you work. It was yours before you started working. (laughs) Somebody say, glory to God. Got nothing to do. I've had people tell me before, well, so-and-so, ain't so-and-so, she's a wonderful woman, and I don't know why the Lord wouldn't heal her. I mean, she's such a hard worker. She, you know, bake cakes and visit the sick and, and, and clean the church and, and do this. I said, well, what's that got to do with her being healed? Amen. They looked at me like I'd slapped them. Amen. Well, she's a good woman. I said, what's that got to do with her being healed? Right. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Her healing was bought and paid for before she ever did anything. Before she was ever born. Can you say amen? amen? Who enjoys it? The people that are bold enough, <laughs> know their God well enough, know His will well enough, know how it works well enough, to just like the young son step up and go, Father, I'll take mine now. And believe you receive it, and you shall have it. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift up our hands. Let's thank our Father God. Father, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. Oh, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. Praise your holy name. Come on, lift your hands up real high. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Oh, you're so good. 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 Hallelujah. 